So uh, as, as we are rushing around and trying to be ultra efficient and effective, this notion of airing the brain, which can happen, for example, through wonderful conversations with strangers. Where does this color code come from? What are the other colors? Oh, interesting. In my calendar. Well, so uh, basically it's, it's about having, so I have different kinds of colors. So um, for example, when I'm doing my podcast, there's a specific color, it's brown, but there's no relationship between the color and the, uh, the specific activity. Then I have, uh, when I'm, I live in France and in England, so I have yellow when I'm in France, I have purple when I'm in England. That's just making sure I know where I am and my wife who has access to my calendar can, can more easily feel when I'm, then I have another color for traveling. Then I have um, red for interviews. So that sort of stands out in another color. Like this one, I had a red color. Um, I, uh, yeah. And I ha yeah, then I have time for me. I, I, I have another time. Uh, I use orange for time for me. Because I think it's important in the stressful environments we have to take care of you. Right now, as we speak, I actually have a concussion. So just before we started speaking, I sat down, first of all, to be present. So that's, that's before any important, I would say, or any public engagement, you know, and that's all things in, in proportion. I like to just make sure I'm seated down, let the silt come down, filter, so I'm being present with myself. When I got up, though, I had a concussion and my head went, woo, crazy. So I had to sit right back down again. Anyway, I don't know why I told you that, but... Um, yeah, being present is uh, is a key thing with any of these. Um... And the color helped you to to get to get into that space. Well, it does. It just it alerts me. Hey, this is what's about to happen. Oh yeah, I got to spend five minutes to do that. And and I, I try to carve out time for me. So as as we are rushing around and trying to be ultra efficient and effective, this notion of airing the brain which can happen, for example, through wonderful conversations with strangers. It can happen through reading something you're not used to reading or reading a novel, for example. And, and uh, in the end of the, well, so reading a novel, by the way, is one of the great ways to develop your empathy. It's a great way to sort of stop thinking only about work. And, and, and what happens is that your, the neurons in your brain start firing up and triggering into different spaces that can unleash some creativity. And as it comes to empathy, here's where it's great, especially like you're reading a Jane Eyre book or, or something else. What you end up doing as boys that we are, we are leaning into and learning about the experience of a woman. And that can be a great way to understand better. The better the book is written, the more nuanced the feelings, the expressions, the type of words they use, the more you're gonna get into that personality and, and the more you're going to have access to how someone else thinks, feels, and experiences things. And that's a great way to start also developing empathy as well as being very good for the brain. This is so, such an, an immediate option to explore other worlds and be empathic with things that we are not wherever we are. And also some, some people who, who write, they are just so much better at observing and describing so that our vocabulary, emotional, cognitive vocabulary gets wider and wider. What, what are maybe three books 
that where you had this feeling of being in another place and seeing more? Well, uh, it's easy for me. You know, I, I studied literature at university in the United States, trilingual literature for my sins. And, um, and of my top 10 books, the top five, one of them is called Pervi Lublu, which is um, First Love by Ivan Turgenev. And um, so this is a book about two individuals that experienced their first love. And, uh, and aside from the, the beauty of the story, which is a very short story, is also the idea that we should always remember first love. Whether we're in a 25-year marriage, as I am, or first love of anything. I, I play guitar for now nearly, well, well I mean, 40 years. And, uh, and I remember the first time I picked it up and, and I keep it plugged into what's important to me. So First Love is a uh, remarkable book. Another one is um, Unbroken, um, which is uh, written by a woman called Lauren Hillenbrand. And it's interesting also about biographies uh, because there again, you're also, if it's well-written, getting into somebody else's life, understanding how they, they went. So Unbroken is a, is a magnificent story based on a true story, which is about a, a guy called Louis Zamperini, who was an um, Italian immigrant in the United States, uh, at, uh, invited to the Olympics, ran in the 1936 Olympics in Berlin, and then uh, found himself in the Navy Air Force in the United States. Uh, his plane sank, uh, was a hit. He had to beach it. He ended up spending something like 60 days in a dinghy with two other men. One didn't make it, the other, and he did. And then uh, they got captured by the Japanese. And then they spent three years or so in prison camps where Louis Zamperini, the, the, uh, an amazing athlete, I mean, able to run still faster than I was ever able to run, you know, many years later. And I'm, I was a fast runner. And uh, mm. anyway, he, he's a prisoner of war. And um, he then... Um, he survives the prison war camp. Basically, you need to know that 40% of prisoners died or killed as prisoners of war of the Japanese in the Second World War. So it wasn't good to be caught as a prisoner. And I should know this because, of course, that's the subject of my first book. But anyway, um, he comes out of it and he's grateful. And he shows gratefulness. So how do you be grateful? How do you forgive? Anyway, that's a, a second interesting book. Wow. And what are the other three? You said your top five. Oh, goodness. So, um, well, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe uh, is one of my top five. Um, I, I don't have them all on top of my head, I must say. But um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis is lovely because it invites you to think about the child in you and, and the magic in the cupboard and what's on the other side. Um, I love Watership Down by Adams. Um, Hmm. There are so many. I, I used to read a book a day. Uh, I've, and I would recommend one other book, which has nothing to do with empathy per se, but I, I highly recommend it for us as leaders. And that's Grit by Angela Duckworth. It's a fabulous book. She is a Chinese-American professor at University of Penn. And, um, and she's got a new podcast coming out, by the way. And her book, Grit, is a tremendous book because it really de-emphasizes the notion of born talent and focuses on the idea of hard work, putting in the work, and, and the formula of grit, which basically is talent times effort equals skill. Skill times effort equals accomplishment. 
And, and so there's two opportunities for effort work to be inserted into it. And if, even if you have little talent, work can compensate. And, and ultimately, we, we aren't born with that talent. We have to sort of craft it, create the skill set that then we can work to make something, you know, an accomplishment. So there you go. That's a, another book, Simon. Thank you so much. So you finished very generously with giving us, uh, because I love asking um, guests for books because when, when then people with $15, with $20, you can give so much value to somebody. And if it's just one sentence, but what's the ROI of $15 with, for one sentence that changes your life? And grit, grit is great for, for example, parents who are dealing with uh, troublesome difficulties with uh, teenagers, which is so common today. I knew mm -hmm. I even have it. Grit is useful for yourself dealing with issues like through the pandemic and, and these other challenges. And we're going to need a lot more grit in the coming months with the economic challenges that we're all facing and to have that uh, perseverance. And the, the, key, the other key part then is the passion component and lean in on who you are and who you want to be and, and to understand that because that for me is the, the major underswell strength. If, you, if you're really tapped into who you are and who you want to be, what your legacy as a person will be, not what you do as an individual, but who you want to be as an individual going forward, that allows you to tap into the passion point. And then marrying the perseverance and, and passion as we get older, of course, allows you to have that grit to lean in. Comes more naturally, if you will, with age, where we've sort of been around the block. The thing that she does is she lays it out in a way that even if you're younger, you're going to have some talking points about how to develop your interest, how to develop your passion, and then associate that to your perseverance, and then you'll have grit. This is beautiful. And especially now the last jewel that you give away, who you are versus who you, what, what you do. And um, because right now in the lockdown for some, what you do is limited and uh, can be frustrating, but who you are can never be limited. It's always limitless per definition. You, you unlock it. You well, this has been a, it, it's been a great else. opportunity for us. I mean, to your point, we're not doing a lot. Uh, for a lot of people, it's been a, a rather traumatic experience to look in the mirror a lot more or Zooms for that matter. And, and to say, all right, well, actually, who am I? And to reflect more on that and what's important in life. And I think that a lot of companies ought to, or CEOs should specifically think heavily about how their employees are going to come back into work. I've spoken to a number of people and CEOs who have seen experience, uh, challenges of people re-engaging with their work. As a woman recently at a dinner party said, dinner party, it was just the four of us. Um, <laughs> I don't want you to make think I'm going out there and being crazy. Uh, and, and she said, well, it's sort of like coming back from pregnancy, from giving birth when you've had, you know, um, um, mother, where you're, I can't remember, what the, but you, you've gone away for three months, you come back and you have to re-engage. I think, A, people are going to have trouble getting back into the flow. And two, over the last three months, a lot of people have been reflecting what's important in life, whether it's the Black Lives Matter movement pandemic itself and and the focus on the nhs staff in england or or you know the, the medical front line or whatever if if my widget that i'm making in my company 
doesn't stimulate me at a more profound level, I think a lot of people are going to be even more disengaged. I mean, before all this, disengagement was a factor. I think after this, disengagement is going to be a bigger factor. And there is really where the empathy is going to need to be plugged in just a whole lot, a higher level. Absolutely. This is a, a small but powerful revolution that is going on. It's maybe more consciousness, more centering, more questioning, more environment, more, really more environment where many will come back and see the things that were broken all the time, but now we cannot stop uh, uh, seeing them. Yeah, there's like, a re- it's like it reveals these, these problems. Absolutely. So when people tell me, oh, now this is broken after Corona and this is broken and this is broken, I'm, I really say it was broken all the time. Now we are just seeing it. Right. Well, my book, You Lead, which um, I'm, I'm, I'm still just about to finish, um, which will come out, by the way, in January 2021, I, I wrote it, the large bulk of it, before the pandemic. And the interesting thing is I felt, I feel I was on par. So I didn't really need to adjust much. I added in a little bit about the pandemic and, and the Black Lives Matter elements just to make it more pertinent for the reader in January, 2021. But fundamentally, we've got some structural changes that are happening. This notion of trust, doing things that matter has always been there. And I think that the lack of trust that leaders and marketers have the fact that so many people are disengaged was a reality, and now it's going to become a center point because people are going to have to choose what they're going to do. On the other side of that, though, there's also going to be a desperation where people are going to have to quickly get business back up, and they're going to push and push, and there you should check in your ethics because the challenge is you might be able to get the extra sale, but are you being ethical? And you might get the short-term sale, but then you get the long-term beat because Ethics is an important part. Your employees checking you out. And funnily enough, eth- empathy is a precondition for leading an ethical life. Mm. Thank you so much, Minter. Where can people uh, stay in your orbit, get into your orbit, see more of you? Well, I have uh, two wonderful parents who are still alive, who gave me a name, which is really weird. And Google likes weirdness. So minterdial.com, M-I-N-T-E-R-D-I-A-L.com is my main hub where you can get everything. Um, my book, Artificial Empathy, there you go, it gets in tune, is on Amazon as, as is everything else I do uh, writing-wise. And uh, otherwise, uh, follow me on uh, Twitter, M-D-I-A-L. And stay tuned for his newest book about leadership, which will come out in July. Where in, January, people... in January. It comes out in January. January. In January. Where, yeah. where can people stay in touch with that so that they get the first information? So it's actually already listed on Barnes & Noble and Amazon and such like, Goodreads. Um, but if you go on my site, there's a, a tab uh, where you go into under books. You see you lead, how being yourself makes you a better leader. Thank you so much, Minter, for being on the show and sharing your journey. My pleasure. Great pleasure. Piacere. Mille grazie. (laughs) The highest calling right now is to be of service. So the best sales is to not sell at all, but instead to serve the people you care about. Selling is telling. So who do you serve? And how do you serve them?
The quality of this experience makes the difference. If you want our experts to go over your current sales funnel and really dive into the experience and the needs of your clients at each conversion point and make it a wow experience, then you are in luck because we have an exercise for you. Our 15-minute sales audit and one-on-one coaching with a world-class sprint coach. Fill out a couple of questions about your sales funnel and you will have clarity. In your personalized coaching session, you will get clarity on your number one bottleneck, three ideas on how to accelerate your growth, and a tangible sales map on how to double your conversions. Go to strategysprints.com sales and do our 15-minute free sales audit today.